It's weird not in that it's weird, but it's weird in that it's probably not a passage that you would normally use when talking about God speaking and gifts of spirit. But the reason I'm going to use this passage is because I think that it presents a mindset and some mindsets that are actually uh, fairly common that we see today. And the passage is in the Gospel of Luke. It's at the arrest of Jesus. Let's go ahead and, and read this. The men who were guarding Jesus, so these are our Roman soldiers, they began mocking and beating him, and they blindfolded him, and they demanded, prophesy, who hit you? So you, Jesus is blindfolded, there's guys around him, and they're, they're taking punches at him, and then they're mocking him and telling him, prophesy, prophesy, tell hey, who, who did it? Who did it? And they said many other insulting things to him. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I ask you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you the Son of God? He replied, you say that I am. Uh, then they said, we, we do not need any more testimony. We've heard it from his own lips, which is a lie. They didn't hear it from his own lips. Um, this is a setup. This whole, this whole scene is a sham. It, it is part of the master plan uh, of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day to have Jesus arrested and executed. That was their goal. They said back uh, as, at the time that he cleared the temple, that they began plotting against him. Jesus presented a threat to the religious order of the day, and the religious order of the day didn't like it. So they were going to... Uh, have him put to death. They were frankly in a bit of a hurry here. They would like to have had his, uh, they wanted his trial and his crucifixion to happen before Sabbath so that it could be done and over with. Uh, they wanted Jesus to say that he was the son of God or the king of the Jews or something of that nature for this reason. The, the, um, the spiritual sort of uh, order of the day had no ability to put someone to death. Uh, but if that person, if a person claimed to be a political power of any sort, then they could turn him over to the Romans and the Romans could put him to death. So they wanted Jesus to make that statement so they could say, see, he's not only a threat to us, he's a threat to you. And we want him done away with. That's what's going on here. That's the, that's the plan, that's the plot. That's what these guys are up to. Uh, again, the irony, and I, I love, I, I just, I, I love it. It's so... Um, the power and the plan and the purpose of God is so good. They are, these guards blindfold Jesus and they're mocking him. Prophesy, prophesy. To, to, to make the point that you're not a prophet. Right? That's what they're doing. You're, you're not a prophet. But in doing that, they're proving that he is a prophet. Because time and time again, he had prophesied this very same. Son of Man would be arrested and on the third day he'd be raised up. And so he'd said this was going to happen and it happened. So in mocking him and trying to prove that he's not a prophet, they actually are, in fact, proving that he is a prophet. Here's the first thing I want to say as it relates to us. I think the guards here represent uh, a mindset that we see, I think, very often, even in the church today. And, and that is this, that that God will speak on demand, that God call, and he will give us words. You know, they say, do it, just prophesy now. Like, 
God speaks to us when we want him to. And I would challenge that notion. Uh, we see this, here's where you see this a lot is, um, and you guys have heard this, in, in people that are skeptical of God and God's existence to begin with, uh, or people that are skeptical uh, towards God moving and working and doing things today. Let's use the example of healing. How many of you have ever heard I have? If God heals, why doesn't you just, you know, if you can heal with people in the name of Jesus, why don't you just go to the hospital and heal all those people right now? I've heard that. Well, because it doesn't work that way. God doesn't really do what I'm to do. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm an important guy, but not that important. Uh, God doesn't, you know, do what I think he should do. Unfortunately, he's smarter than me, and he does what he wants. Um, we hear that in, 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 in skeptics uh, often. Um, one guy said, if, if God's real, just if he'll strike me dead right now, then I'll believe. Yeah, that was a joke. I mean, it's not, it's not very smart. Um, but I think we see this not only in skeptics, but in the hearts of well-meaning believers as well. Um, it looks like this. God, if you'll just do this one thing for me, then I'll do what I, you know, I'll live for you. I'll follow you. God, if you just heal my family member who I love that's sick, if you'll just turn my husband's heart around, if you'll just help my kid find his way back, then I'll live for you and I'll serve you and I'll love you and I'll do whatever. And we try to negotiate and deal with God on our terms. And, you know, I, I'm, I realize, and I'm, again, I, you know, I probably some of us have prayed those kinds of prayers. I'm going to encourage you. I, I'm not sure that trying to negotiate with God and deal with God and get God to work on your terms is a very healthy approach to relationship with God. I mean, I really did. Somewhere along the line, and I don't know when it hit me in my, my own journey, I, I came to a, a, a realization that God is God and I'm not. God is God and I'm not. And my to my benefit to do my best to follow him and live for him and obey him and, and seek after him whether he does what I want him to do or not I would encourage you guys to avoid that whole process of trying to negotiate make deals with God let me just say this in specific terms of hearing from God and, and God speaking to us, we don't set those terms. We don't set the terms on how God acts, when he speaks, what he says, or anything else. He's God, we're not. I think the guards here were playing a game with Jesus, and I think that their game um, really has in it a, a, a mindset that is prevalent in the hearts of, of people even today that we can tell God what to do. And let me say, in terms of prophecy, it doesn't work that way. We don't determine when God speaks. God speaks, and we listen. I like Peter. Above all, he says, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never 
had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The prophecy didn't originate in the heart of the person. You know, sometimes we hear somebody prophesy something that is what people want or maybe need to hear at that moment. But it's really not from God. It's really them speaking what people need to hear. I had a friend who was uh, a vineyard pastor, one of the early vineyard pastors who was kind of one of the founding fathers. A guy uh, named Brent Rue who pastored the vineyard in Lancaster, California. He was a young man, very, very um, gregarious, very charismatic, very loving, very loved guy. People loved Brent. He was just, he was just the guy. He was just cool Brent. And uh, at a very young age, Brent uh, got cancer and became very ill. And over a period of time, a number, you know, several prophetic people came and prophesied, you will not die, you will surely live, this is not unto death, God's hand is on you, God has these things for you, etc., etc., etc. And Brent did die. And I share that only to say that I... I think in the hearts of those people, and I'm not judging them, but I think they wanted that to happen. And they wanted the people that they were speaking to to hear that, because they wanted that to happen. Everybody wanted that to happen, but that didn't happen. Peter tells us prophecy never had its origin in human will. Prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There is a process of learning to hear God's voice and de determining that this is God and this is not me. And that's a problem we will talk about in the next few weeks. Uh, I won't get into it too much today. But it's like anything. It's a learned behavior. You learn to hear God's voice. And as you grow in that ability, you become more and more confident that you're hearing from God. But it really is something that comes from the Holy Spirit to us. And, um, and here's, the, here's the second thing, I, a point I want to make today. And this is maybe one of the more important things we'll say in the whole series. To be in the Spirit of God and for God to speak to you, to, to, to be moving in prophecy, moving in spiritual gifts, to hearing from God, seeing what, you know, speaking out what God's doing, to be doing that, to be in the Spirit, does not necessarily mean you have to be weird. Okay? It just doesn't mean you have to be weird. It doesn't mean you have to talk loud. It doesn't mean you have to get a really deep voice. You could put more reverb on that guy, you know. And it just doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you have to speak King James English, okay? Let me just, can I, can I make a comment there? I, I make, you know, I don't make fun of. I encourage people to not refer to King James. We read the NIV here. We read, you don't have to read the NIV to be here. You can read any Bible you want. You can read King James if you want, okay? I'm just saying. We read the NIV because it's translated into contemporary English, the way that people speak today. King James was exactly the same. It was translated into contemporary English in England 400 years ago. No one talks that way anymore. People in England don't talk that way anymore. Thus saith the Lord. People don't talk that way anymore. You don't have to get weird to hear from God and to speak to God, okay? We just, no weird. I am going to actually uh, use our friend Dave here as an example this morning, and I had pre-approval to do this. 
Some of you guys know Dave and Carol. They've been with us for a few months. Some of you haven't met them yet. But a couple weeks ago, Dave gave us the word. And I really appreciated his approach. The end of worship, almost every week, not every week, but most weeks, we have a time like we did today, where we kind of wait, we listen, I invite people to speak. And a couple weeks ago, Dave came up. Here's four things that happened that I was appreciative of. First thing is, some people don't know Dave. And so he said, first of all, he goes, hey, I talked to Glenn, I asked him to share, I could share it. So he clarified that I know him, and that was okay. And he didn't have to do that. That wasn't required, but he did it. And I thought that was nice. Just said, hey, you know, I'm not weird. I'm okay. I'm one of you guys. Second thing is he talked in the exact same voice he talks in all the rest of the time. Same voice. Didn't get loud, big, nothing like that. Uh, third, he, if you recall, had a little notebook, and he read his words. Some of you might be thinking, well, I thought prophecy is something God does right then and there, and you get it now, and you speak it out. That could be. It's possible that God speaks to you right now. But it's also possible that he speaks to you at a, at a different time, and maybe when you're in prayer. And you either remember, or I would strongly encourage you to write those things down, and maybe to listen for now. I, I, I know Emma Shea has given words that, before that God brought to her earlier, right? I know that. I know that because she's told me that. They didn't come right then. So it might happen right then. Sometimes when people come up here at the end of worship, it's actually right then. Sometimes it's not. That's okay. That's the way it works. For, for, fourth thing that Dave did that I really liked a lot was this. He, and I don't remember the exact words, but it was something very close to this. He, what I would call, submitted that word. He basically said, hey, here, that's what God showed me. If that ministers to you, if that speaks to you, if that's good, then amen. Take it. If not, don't. He didn't say, you know, listen to me or you'll all burn in hell. He didn't say, if you don't do this, God's going to condemn you. He didn't say anything like that. He just basically said, hey, here's a word, and if it ministers to you, if it helps your heart, great. Then I'm, I'm happy for that. If not, that, that's okay, too. So th there was a very casual, you know, sort of approach. Um, and you think, wow, you can be casual in terms of being in the spirit of God. Well, yeah, you really can. You, you don't have to get all wound up or weird or crazy or anything like that. Um, it just, it's just, it's good. Here, here's the thing, and here's the bottom line in that, okay? If, if a word is from God, it has authority. If a word is from God, it has authority because it's from God. You don't need to pump it up to try and make it sound as though it has more authority. And that's what happens. I think people want to say, oh, this is a word from God, so I've got to make it really sound like it's a word from God. No, you know what? If it's a word from God, it has authority because God spoke it. You don't have to get big, get loud, get crazy, get weird, get King James on me to, 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 to make that word have authority. It already has it. Another thing, oh, goodness. That's okay. Another thing is this. I'm going to go really quick. Um, is the, the, the issue of foretelling versus forthtelling. I think sometimes there's a mindset that prophecy is foretelling the future, that there's a, it, it's always a futuristic dynamic. Again, that there is an element of that, and sometimes that may be true. But by and large, and I'm going to make a fairly, you know, powerful statement here, by and large that, that foretelling the future is a pagan approach. You think of Nostradamus or Edgar Cayce or whoever these you know, pro prophet, future caster people are, 
They're always telling what's going to happen in the future. Now, there, there are Old Testament prophecies, and there are prophecies today that have a futuristic element, so I'm not saying completely, but by and large, that's a, a pagan approach most of the time. Not all the time, most of the time. Prophecy is not as much foretelling, <coughs> excuse me, as foretelling. <coughs> it's letting us know what God wants to do now. Right now. It's about, it can be a reminder of the truth. Sometimes we have God's word, we have the truth, but sometimes we forget it, don't we? We forget it. I love the song we sang this morning. I don't remember the words now, but at the time, God loves me. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. He says about 19 times, and I go, yeah, that's good because God does love me, and sometimes we forget that, don't we? So a lot of times it's a remind, prophecy is a reminder of truth. Hey, God said, and this is true, this is real for you. Other times it might be directive. Uh, here's the path I want you to take. Here's some things that are happening that I would like you to specifically be involved in. That kind of comes into that category of doing what Father doing. This is what I want you to do. Sometimes it's just wisdom for living. Here's, here's a good, good approach. Here's something to live by. As Paul said in Corinthians, it's strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Sometimes prophecies are meant to, to bring comfort to us in hard times. Sometimes to strengthen us individually or strengthen the body. Uh, sometimes just to encourage us. Here, here's another thing really quickly. Prophecy can also have this dynamic to it. And I'm, again, I'm kind of throwing everything out on the table today. It can be, it can be utilized uh, as a warning or possibly even to confront sin in someone's lives. One of my favorite stories in the Gospels is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, right? Jesus meets this woman. They strike up a conversation. They start talking about water. A conversation of water fairly quickly turns to a conversation about spiritual things. And then she says, tell me more, tell me more. I want to hear more about this. And then you remember the end of the conversation. Jesus says, well, go call your husband and come back. And I have no husband, she says. And then Jesus says this. I love this. You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man that you have is not your husband. The man you have now is not your husband. What you said is quite true. And this is, the, I, this is killer right here. Sir, our, the woman said, I see that you are a prophet. Um, let me say this again, and this is super important too. I, 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 while I believe that is a very valid and valuable dynamic of prophecy, again, when we're confronting sin prophetically, if it's from God, it doesn't need any extra added authority. And we don't need to be harsh, mean, cruel, judgmental, anything else like that at all. We, we need to go in love and humility. And we're going to talk a lot, about, a lot about humility in this series, because humility is one of the keys to effectively really sharing the things that God gives us. We go in, in, in humility. And let me say this. Very often, if there's relationship and if there's humility and if there's grace, those words will be received and, and the, the, the intended effect will happen and that person will repent and turn back to God. Very often, if it's harsh and it's delivered in a critical, judgmental way, that won't be the outcome. The outcome will be um, less than that. Like, get out of my face and go away. I mean, that's just the thing. It's, it's, you know, that same thing happened. You remember King David. David sinned with Bathsheba, right? And then you remember what happened after that? Nathan came, prophet Nathan came and talked to him. He told him a little story. He said, hey, 
David, let me tell you a story. There's two guys, rich guy. Rich guy has sheep and cattle. He has all kinds of things. Neighbor is poor. He has one little baby lamb. Little baby lamb. Loves the little baby lamb. Pets the little baby lamb. Feeds it, takes it to bed with him at night. Sleeps with the little baby lamb. Rich guy has some friends. Friends come visit for dinner. And he says, you've got to feed him dinner. And they say, well, I don't want to kill any of my hundreds and thousands of sheep and cattle. So I'm going to go take the little baby lamb away from the guy next door. And I'm going to kill that little baby lamb. And I'm going to feed it to my friends for dinner. And David gets mad. And he says, that guy's got to pay. And Nathan says, that guy's you. That guy's you. And what did David do? He hung his head and he said, you're right. You're right. And he repented and turned to God. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just saying that to say, whatever the nature of a word, we, we want to be as gracious and humble in the delivery of that as possible. Okay? Um, and here, I'll just, oh, I'll wrap up here in two minutes. <laughs> as pastor. Um, we have a term that we, I know, but I just feel the presence. I feel the presence. I feel the pressure. I'm just, God, be gone with you. Uh, we have a term we use to describe this in the vineyard. We, we call this being naturally supernatural. And that really is a very good term. And it means two things. Two things. We talk about being naturally supernatural. The first thing is, we can function supernaturally in the gifts of the Spirit without being weird. That's, that's the first thing. Second thing is this that it really should be a natural part of the process of growing in Christ and following him and living for him to part of our Christian experience should be to hear from God and to be led by his spirit and to be actively engaged in those things of the spirit. So one, it's naturally supernatural because we can do it without being weird. And two, it's natural. It's part of who we should be naturally supernatural. It's, it's part of who we are. Last week, I wasn't here. I was up at... Mountain Vineyard in Kent, Washington. Uh, by the way, uh, Rob and Kevin, thank you very much for taking care of business for me. They filled in for me. I heard it was very good. Um, when I was up at Roy Conwell's, the pastor, Roy's a friend of mine, right before service started, we did what we do here. The worship team and Roy and myself and a couple of the folks, we gathered in a little circle by the side of the stage and we prayed. And we're praying, just God come today and be with us. And same, same thing we pray here. And while we were praying... Uh, something happened. I, our, our son Brendan has a tattoo on his arm, uh, and Romans 5.3 is written on his arm. And while we were praying, I sort of saw Brendan's tattoo. I mean, I didn't see it, see it. I just sort of saw it. It's kind of, I thought about it. It was there. I just sort of, and I thought, that's weird. And then I thought, oh, yeah, it's the vineyard. God speaks. Maybe God's speaking to me. So during worship, I was kind of thinking about it and praying, what is that, you know? And I know a little bit of the history of their church, and I'll tell you the history of their church is this. They've been uh, a church for 30 years. This year, they built a building, and they're in their own building. For 29 years, they met in a high school, set up and tore down every week, 29 years. Uh, bought a piece of property about 10 years ago and have been sitting on it, saving money to build on it for 10 years. Finally did it got in there just a few months ago. Romans 5.3 says we rejoice in our sufferings because suffering brings about perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. So I said, I thought, okay, I got up at it, and I said, hey, you guys, I just got a word. I told him I saw the tattoo, whatever. I said, I, I think you guys have persevered. You guys have persevered, and God says that that perseverance has given you 
character and that that character has given you hope. And I really think your church is going to be a place of hope. I really think people in this community are going to come here to find hope, and that's who you're going to be. I thought that was a pretty cool word. Even me. I get it. Not bad, huh? Uh, my point is this, that it just happened. It just happened. It wasn't, I wasn't really looking for it. I wasn't doing anything like that. It just happened. Um, last thing, we'll wrap up. Who, who that, that brings a good point, even me. Who can do this? Who's involved? Who, who can hear these things from God? And again, I think the mindset is there's sort of this class of people out there. I don't know who they are. They're super spiritual, though, you know, that, that can hear from God. And, and really, they're it. They're the ones, you know, uh, the, the, the super hearer, spiritual, prophetic guys. I don't know who they are, but they're out there, and they're special, and they hear, and the rest of us just listen, you know, and that's it. Um, in the Old Testament, there was some relevance to that. In the Old Testament, there was prophets that God spoke to. God spoke to selected people selected times, but in the New Testament, it's a little different because in the book of Acts, at the beginning of what we call the church today, the body of Christ, the people of God, this thing called Pentecost happened. And at Pentecost, God's Spirit was poured out on people, and they didn't understand it at first. People were kind of freaked out. I mean, what is this? What's going on? And they thought people were drunk, and it was crazy, and it was a little wild. And Peter um, stood up and said this. With the eleven, he raised his voice to address the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So he's basically saying, this is that, right? You read this, this is that. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your, it's so hard to talk when those little kids are walking by. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So who is going to prophesy? In the last days, I'll pour my spirit on all people, Jews and Gentiles, old people and young people. Men and women. Everybody gets to play. Another vineyard value there. Everybody gets to play. God is really, to be honest, I think, a little bit too non-selective in who he lets play the game. I, quite frankly, would have a little bit stricter standards. But that's me. Um, so here's, your, here's the, 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 your, your last little bit of your spoiler alert, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. At the men's retreat a few weeks ago, some of you guys were there, uh, Phil had us do a weird thing. He had everybody stand up and pair off, and then he said, I'm going to pray right now that God would just speak to you and just give you a word for the guy that you're standing opposite of. So we did, and it was really pretty fun and pretty cool. So sometime in the next few weeks, we're going to do that, so be prepared. Um, not today, but soon. Um, and the point was simply this, that he, he was doing what I'm doing now and just trying to encourage the process of being naturally supernatural, encourage the process of God speaking and working in our lives again, encourage the process of giving us that dynamic that's exciting where you really do speak life and truth and healing and hope and, and, and redemption into the hearts of people. See, here's the thing, guys, and this is it. We'll close. Christianity is not just believing the right things. 
it's, it's not just doing the right things. If you want to just believe the right things and do the right things, God bless you. Have fun. Um, Christianity is a living, active relationship with God in community with one another where we're focused on following Him and carrying out His purpose and doing His work and being in His will. And, and it's, it's, it's really, really a lot different. It really is, you know, be eager for these things to happen. We should, we should hope and pray and expect and look for God to do this stuff. So uh, that's that. We're way over. Let's stand.